Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I'm your host, Brian Jewell, and as they say in the South, I am tickled to death that you are joining us today. And as always, our promise to you is that we're going to do everything we can to make that investment of your time worth your while. Now, today, I'm going to bring you a featured conversation with Kelly Sonner of TripMate, who is going to help us understand the ins and outs of travel insurance. You may be saying to yourself, oh my goodness, insurance is so boring. I don't think I can sit through half an hour of talk about travel insurance. But I promise you that you are going to find this conversation interesting. I promise you're going to find Kelly charming and super, super helpful. So if you have ever wondered whether you should buy travel insurance, if you have ever wondered whether you should sell travel insurance to your customers as part of your travel product offerings, this conversation is going to be so informative, you are not going to want to miss it. First though, let's get into some travel news you may have missed. New regulations will require Americans to register before traveling to Europe in 2024. The European Union has created new entry requirements for travelers arriving from the United States and many other countries. Called the European Travel Information and Authorization System, or ETIAS, this program consists of an online form that travelers must fill out prior to departing for any of the 30 countries in the EU. Passport holders from 60 countries who can currently travel to Europe without a visa will need to get ETIAS authorization before their trips. Now, the form consists of basic identity verification, contact information, and questions about the purpose of the trip. The EU says it will use the information to check travelers' identities for security purposes. The application will cost seven euros, or about eight dollars, per person. The ETIAS says that most applications will be processed within minutes and decisions delivered within four days. Some applications may take up to 30 days to process, however, so travelers should fill out the form at least one month ahead of departure. The new regulation is supposed to take effect in 2024, although ETIAS has yet to give a specific date. Some experts think it's likely that implementation will be delayed into 2025 or later. Well, now it's time for the road tip segment of our show. This is the part of every episode where we dig deep into our decades of travel experience and bring you some tips that we think will help you make your next trip run more smoothly and hassle free. Today, I want to talk to you about something that a lot of people never really think about, and that is how they are going to pay expenses on the road. That's right. I'm talking about your actual method of payment. Are you using cash? Are you using a card? How are you going to cover the expenses that come up as part of travel? You know, I can remember when I first started traveling, I was still in school. This was in the mid nineties and I went on a class trip to Washington DC and the tour operator told us that we all needed to bring travelers checks. So my parents got me some American Express traveler's checks and I had to learn how to go through the process of going to the front desk at the hotel every day and giving them a $20 traveler's check and they would cash that check for me, give me $20 cash. And that was how I was able to travel safely with money that couldn't be lost or stolen. 
Well, I did that for a few years and then uh, it must have been in the early 2000s sometime. Uh, I went on a trip abroad and I had my traveler's checks with me and I went to cash them one morning at the hotel desk and the guy at the front desk looked at me and said, oh man, these are a major pain. And that's when it dawned on me that maybe I was a little bit behind the times. Maybe traveler's checks were not the best way to pay for my expenses on the road. So I developed a new way of paying for things that has turned out to be pretty helpful. I thought I would share my personal payment system with you today in case it might benefit you as well. So how do I pay for things when I'm on the road? Well, I handle all my payments with plastic. That's right. Uh, Credit cards, debit cards, whatever you want to use are so much more secure than cash. Because as you know, if that card gets lost or stolen... You can call your financial institution, have it turned off immediately, have a new one sent to you overnight. Uh, And if you have cash, when you lose it, it's just gone. In fact, I use cards so much that sometimes when I'm traveling in the U.S., I forget to bring any cash with me at all. That's a problem in its own way, but uh, it's definitely more secure to use cards for everyday transactions than to carry a whole wad of cash on the road. Now, when I'm going abroad, I will take about $100 in cash and I change some of that cash to local currency when I arrive. But that's really just walking around money for simple things like tips or uh, buying small items at a market or something like that. Uh, Occasionally, when you are traveling in the developing world, they won't have the access to credit card technology that we have everywhere at home. But that even is changing rapidly and there are fewer and fewer places on earth where you can't use a Visa or a MasterCard. Now, uh, when I am traveling for work, I like to use a corporate credit card and not a personal card. There have certainly been times when I've needed to make work purchases on a personal credit card, but that creates its own hassles in submitting uh, expense reports, gathering receipts, getting reimbursed. And as a busy travel professional, I don't want to spend my time doing that. And I I'm willing to bet that you don't want to spend your time doing that either. So what we do instead here, the group travel leader, is we have a corporate credit card system that is incredibly helpful because it means that uh, we don't have to worry about any of those hassles that come with using a personal card and our expenses are automatically tracked. The accounting department sees what we have spent money on on the road and uh, we don't have to worry about justifying this or that. It all happens automatically. It is super convenient. We also really like using credit cards and not debit cards. Now, my friend Dave Ramsey might disagree with me on this, but uh, I prefer a credit card for a number of reasons that are specific to travel. Number one is when you're checking into a hotel or renting a car, sometimes those companies put holds on your cards that can create some trouble if you're using a debit card that is linked to a bank account. Because if you put a hold on a debit card, they might hold a few hundred dollars more than you actually end up spending which can tie up some funds in your bank account that can create some trouble. You don't want to mess with that. Another thing that can happen uh, when you use a credit card, you can get some special travel protections that are awfully convenient when you're traveling frequently. So the cards that we use have some rental car coverage, some other insurance uh, built in that would cover us in case something goes wrong on a flight or similar travel that we have booked With that card, we have built-in protection. Uh, We don't have to worry about whether we need to buy additional coverages when we travel. Finally, there are some built-in perks to some credit cards, specifically credit cards that are branded or co-branded with a travel company. 
So the credit cards we use here are co-branded with a major airline, the airline that we use most often. And that pays off for us in all kinds of ways. Of course, we get loyalty points on that airline. We get free checked bags. And perhaps my favorite perk is those credit cards get us access to the airline's premium lounges. And I'll tell you what, the more time I spend in there, the less time I want to spend in any other part of the airport. So that's how we do it. We travel with plastic. That plastic is a corporate credit card. It brings so much protection, so much peace of mind, so much less hassle than any other way of going about it. Now, if you uh, don't have a formal corporate structure for your travel group, that's something worth looking into for a whole bunch of reasons. And obviously, I'm not an accountant or an attorney, but uh, suffice it to say, there can be some tax benefits to incorporating There can be some legal benefits to incorporating. And one of the benefits that you could get is the ability to open a corporate credit card, a corporate bank account so that your personal funds aren't all mixed in with your travel group funds. It makes it a lot easier to keep track of what expenses are for your travel group, what expenses are personal. And that is going to avoid you lots of hassle at tax time and with your accountant and possibly with your spouse or something like that. So I would definitely recommend setting up a corporate structure for your travel group and using a corporate card to pay for your company trips. That is your road tip of the week. Now, before we move on, I want to take a minute and share a little bit of news from us. You know, I've talked to you a lot about our on-site familiarization program. Uh, This is a program that we run in conjunction with destination partners around the country and sometimes around the world to take you, our travel planner listeners and readers, to see their destinations firsthand. And we just wrapped up a fantastic fam in Savannah. Uh, You can follow along with that on our social media channels. We're going to have an article about it in the upcoming issue of the Group Travel Leader. I can't wait for you to read about that fantastic trip. And as I told you in the last episode, we have another opportunity coming up to visit the Louisiana River region during the holidays. That trip is going to be December 8th through 12th. You can sign up for it on our website at grouptravelleader.com slash Louisiana-Christmas-Fam. And don't worry, I'm going to put that link in the show notes so you don't have to remember it or write it down. But I've got more to tell you about. We have some super cool fam trips coming up next year. They are places that I love going to, places I'm excited to return to. Can I tell you what they are? No, I can't. But I can tell you this. You are going to want to be on the list to receive the notification email when we are ready to announce them. How do you get on that list? Well, it's really simple. You go to grouptravelleader.com slash FAMS. On that page, you can see a list of all the current FAM opportunities that we already have open, and you can add your name to the list to get notifications for future opportunities as soon as they open. So go over to grouptravelleader.com slash FAMS, sign up for that list. And when we are ready to start announcing some of the fantastic places that we're going on FAMS next year, you will be the first to know. We can't wait to have you join us on an on-site trip in 2024. Well, now it's just about time to move into our featured conversation with Kelly Sonner. Now, as we talk about these uh, very important topics around travel insurance, I want you to remember that you don't need to worry about taking notes because I'm taking notes for you. I'm going to have a recap of some of the most important concepts we talk about in the show notes for this episode and on our website. And I want to encourage you to hang around to the end of the interview, because after we wrap that up, I am going to spend some time discussing how we can bring some new blood 
into the tourism industry. That's a topic a lot of people are talking about right now, and it's going to be the subject of today's hot minute. So make sure you stick around all the way to the end to hear that. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back with Kelly Sonner. All right, everybody. My guest today is a widely known and respected leader in the travel insurance industry. She's the chief commercial officer at TripMate, a company that provides travel insurance products to many organizations in the group tour market. She leads diversity and inclusion efforts for TripMate's parent company, Generali, and is a key voice in steering the company's sustainability efforts. She's also active in the travel industry, serving in leadership roles with the U.S. Travel Insurance Association and the U.S. Tour Operators Association. Kelly Sonner, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I hope hope the day's going well so far. Yeah, we're having a great day here in Lexington, and I am excited to have you with us. Um, I feel like for many people in travel, insurance is a box of mystery that they know is important, but they don't understand a lot about it. And so uh, I'm so happy to have you here to kind of help our audience break down what can be a, a pretty complicated topic. But before we get into all that, I would love for you to tell us your story of how you got involved in the travel insurance industry. I started my career a little over 20 years ago in travel insurance. Before that, truthfully, I was in sports and sports marketing and I um did some work at the University of Tennessee, not too not too far from you. I worked for the the great Pat Summit as her uh, director of basketball operations. And after we had won some championships, I felt like we had just I had hit a wall. So I, I moved back to New York and I started working in a in the sports marketing industry. And this was the late 1990s, and um, started my own company representing female athletes and and really doing marketing and promotion. And then unfortunately, 9/11 happened. And that whole industry just dried up. People, you know, just really changed the way we spent money and we supported um, things outside of ourselves. So my my dad was alive at the time. He's like, could you go get a real job now? <laughs> so <laughs> as parents kind of guide you in an ever so gentle way. So at, at that time, um, Berkeley Care, which is now Aon Affinity Travel, they were advertising a marketing job. And truthfully, I had no idea what I was walking into. And I um, started working there in 2002. And, and as, you know, as my career evolved, it, it became, obviously I knew I was landing in travel insurance, but it became clear and clear to me each passing moment how important travel insurance was. And that even though it's insurance and it's a mystery and a lot of people don't understand insurance, but it's really vital that people are protecting something from the unknown. And, um, I just, it evolved into that kind of experience. And so at, at Aon, I was there almost 11 years and was an account manager and then took some time off. Unfortunately, my mom um, was sick and ended up passing away. And then I I went over to TripMate and um, ended up working for Brad Finkel, who started the TripMate organization. And Brad sold the company to um, Gallagher. And then it was sold again to Generali a few years later. But during that transition, after we were sold to Generali, they asked me to uh, stay on and be the chief commercial officer. And it's been a pleasure, truthfully, to work for such a dynamic international organization that... 
really understands travel insurance and and what's different about being owned by um, Gallagher or even being owned by um, Brad when Tripmate was independent was that Generali is an underwriter. So we have the ability to put policies on our own paper, or we have the ability to continue to partner with outside insurance companies. And I know we'll get into the nuances of that, but during the 20 something years. Um, it's been great because I've seen all sorts of things, you know, all sorts of claims. We've partnered with all sorts of different people, different organizations, and it is eye opening. But the, I think the most important thing is you hear how important travel insurance is from people who don't have it, who wish they had it. And that's where you're like, oh, God, if you had just, you know, and it's easy to say sometimes, but if you had just spent an extra six or seven percent of your trip cost, you wouldn't be out of pocket X, Y, Z. So um, insurance is multifaceted. And when I think about my friends who are not travel you know, industry professionals like I am, uh, I think about people who understand why they have health insurance. They understand why they have home and auto. Uh, I literally had lunch with a friend the other day and he was saying, I will never understand why people buy travel insurance. And I, tr- I tried to explain it to him, but I would love for you to, uh, you know, as the expert, explain that uh, to our audience. What exactly is travel insurance? How is it different than my health insurance that would cover me if I have, you know, a disaster while I'm traveling? And why is it so important, especially for trips that are really significant? When I first started in the industry and I would I would go out and I'd, I'd train our client partners and I'd train the call center agents or, or whoever was offering and disseminating our product, I'd really try to break it down in the simplest form for their call center folks or even for the, the direct consumer to say, you're... You have a house, you have a car, those are expensive. You potentially have a house or a car, I should say. Those are expensive items that you own and you buy insurance for those to protect them in case something happens. What if a tree hits your house? You don't ever want a tree to hit your house. What if somebody rear ends you and somebody hits your car? Where would, you know, suddenly you're paying out of pocket to repair these items. That's how we think about travel insurance. You're you're booking a trip, you're taking a, your family on a trip or you're going on your own trip individually. You're spending hundreds, thousands of dollars, in some instances, tens and thousands of dollars, depending on where you're going and what kind of trip it is. What if the unexpected happens? What if three days before your trip, somebody passes away? What if you twist your ankle and you now are in a cast and you are going on a walking tour of of Europe? How are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. So we think of travel insurance as protecting you from the unknown and protecting what could happen to the money you spent to, you know, on your trip. So for me, it's it's really hedging your bets for an extra anywhere from four to eight to 10 to 12 percent of your trip cost, depending on your age, your destination, the kind of insurance you're buying. And I'm sure we'll talk about the different kinds. It's to me, it's worth the extra money, because what we've also seen since the pandemic are companies lost a lot of money during the pandemic. Hotels, airlines, they're not as flexible as they used to be. Travel insurance, when companies are offering it, it also allows those companies to enforce their cancellation penalties to say, well, hey, Brian, great job. You bought travel insurance. So go file your claim over here, where maybe before they'd have been like, ah, it's all right, Brian, we'll waive the fees. Here's your money back. People aren't as flexible now. So travel insurance is going to protect your investment, what you, the kind of trip you purchased and the, the money that you spent, but it's also going to protect you and your stuff. So when you're traveling, we have different, um, benefits that will protect you should you, you know, sustain an injury or get sick or your bags don't show up or, you know, knock wood, you have to suddenly fly home because there's an emergency. 
the different types of travel insurance offer those different types of benefits. So when you're thinking about travel insurance, and most likely likely your tour operator or whoever you're booking your travel from will be offering you a product that that travel insurance partner has designed with that trip in mind. And if not, then you can certainly go to like an insure my trip or go to a website and find a plan that would work for you. But I would encourage you to think about, you know, am I healthy? Is my family healthy? Am I bringing a lot of stuff on my trip? How much am I spending? And then with those thoughts in mind, you can then think about, okay, what am I willing to risk here on this trip? Am I willing to just forgo a couple hundred dollar airline ticket? Okay. Fine. Some people are, you know, riskier. <laughs> Those who are less uh, risk adverse might think, you know what, for $15, I'm going to buy a travel insurance plan. So that's that's how I like to think about it and kind of break it down for people. It's protecting yourself from the unexpected. Yeah, that is super helpful. Uh, I know you guys have worked with uh, customers who've been through all sorts of stuff and and you have covered those claims. I'd love to hear some examples that you might know of or remember of times when your customers have had to rely on those policies when something difficult, unexpected, out of left field happened on a trip. Like let's let's bring that into, you know, a realm that people can relate to like, oh, this this might happen in my life. Yeah, for sure. So we had um, probably about eight years ago now, we had a, a gentleman on a trip with one of our tour partners who simply riding a horse. I'm not even kidding you, a horse on a beach <laughs> in in Ecuador and very healthy man, a doctor actually from from um, one of the 50 states, suddenly he fell off the horse, broke his hip. Well, where he was in Ecuador didn't allow him to have the treatment and the services that he needed there. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when this incident happened, we had to evacuate him from the beach, which in that case where he was, they didn't, it wasn't as if we were going to land a helicopter on the beach. We had to use like a local, I'm not, I kid you not, like a local truck, like somebody's pickup truck, wow. <laughs> transport him to the next city, which still didn't have the, the right medical facility to properly treat him. And that's the other piece of travel insurance is that it's going to guarantee you're in a qualified facility to get the treatment you need, right? That's mm-hmm. our responsibility. We never want somebody to be in a facility that's not meant to assist them in the kind of emergency or situation that they have. So then once we got him to one city, we realized they weren't capable of, you know, replacing his hip, doing the whole surgery. We then had to fly him helicopter this time to to another city, to the capital. And then even there, we realized he still didn't have what we needed. So then we had to evacuate him home. So his travel insurance cost about $600. His whole claim cost $152,000. Holy cow. Yeah, exactly. None of that was covered out of pocket. Like, you know, like his his regular health insurance was like, yeah, nope, sorry, can't help yeah. you there. Yeah. So incredible. I mean, there's, there's a great, a completely extreme, but there's a great example of um, how it can, how it can help you in the unexpected, right? Again, a very fit man, doctor, mid fifties, who would ever think you'd fall off a horse and just the way he landed he broke his hip and that's, that's what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So that's an example of, you know, way wild circumstances. Something that I think a lot more people can relate to is the airlines canceled my flight. And so I missed the cruise departure or I was three days late checking in at the resort, you know, where I'm paying a thousand dollars a night for all inclusive 
services and stuff. So how how do those sorts of things factor in? A third party, an airline, a weather incident, it just disrupts your trip. Maybe you miss the whole thing. Maybe you just miss part of it. How How does insurance play into that scenario? Most folks lately are having travel disruptions because of airlines. We saw what happened last summer. We know what's going on with airlines as they're still bringing back crews. So for us, there's a couple of ways the travel insurance plan could protect you in that circumstance. So best intentions, I get to the airport, I'm there early, but boom, weather happens or the flight doesn't get there. So we have different policies and depending on the type of policy that the insured purchased, that could fall under a trip delay or it could fall under a misconnection where the plan would reimburse the insured or the traveler, obviously who bought the policy, for a new flight to catch up to where they're going for out-of-pocket, unexpected hotel costs, out-of-pocket meals until they catch up to their flight. Now, as you said, what about if they missed a day or two of their arrangements? The policy also covers for that too, under those benefits. We have some other plans that under the trip to, um, the trip interruption benefit, it would cover that entire thing too, depending on the reason that the insured was um was not able to join their trip when they expected to join their trip. And one one thing to note is that a cancellation occurs before a trip starts, right? We get a lot of questions on this. Well, what's the difference between a cancellation, an interruption, a delay, a misconnection? They all sound the same to, you know, the common person, understandably, not the insurance expert. So a cancellation occurs before the trip begins, right? I'm supposed to leave tomorrow. Something's happened today. That's a cancellation claim. A lot of reasons for for claims, and we can talk about that if you care to. An interruption means I've begun my trip and something has happened, and I either have to come home or I've I've made one connection, but now I can't get to the other connection. That's an interruption. A delay means I can't even begin or I can't even get home yet, but I can. It's something that's not so terrible that would cause me to cancel. It's just kind of a hiccup. Like, okay, it's annoying. The flight got canceled. I now have to leave eight hours later. And again, that's the difference in the plans too, is what what has happened? And am I able to rejoin my trip or to continue my trip? And a lot of times, depending on the the policy itself or the client partner, how much coverage do they want to put into the into the plans? We have weather disruptions. We have mechanical. We have um, a U.S. shutdown of the flights. You know, all of that is covered in certain policies, depending on if that client partner wanted to include all of that in the kitchen sink. And then you have some insurance policies that really just want to keep it couple of, you know, a couple of coverages and boom, because as you would imagine, the more coverages and the reasons you add, the more expensive the policy becomes. If if the traveler finds himself in that circumstance where they're looking at a policy and it's not a policy that meets their needs, I encourage them to go buy what we would call a retail policy, you know, go to generali.com, go to insure my trip, go somewhere to find a policy that would then potentially meet their needs if their if their own tour operator policy wouldn't work for them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the retail market because it seems like there are so many places um, where I could buy insurance. So many people trying to sell me insurance throughout the travel buying process. So I think about, you know, my the credit card in my wallet has some amount of coverage built in. But then when I book an airline, you know, the airline wants me to click the box to ensure the trip that way you know, or, or the flight. And then, you know, a, a travel advisor might have a product I can buy through them. Uh, there's the retail sites you mentioned. And then there's, you know, corporates. Uh, corporate insurance partners uh, like TripMate. So is there a way to sort of 
figure out which is the best approach um, for a consumer or is it does it really just depend on your trip and your needs and, and that helps you decide who to buy coverage from? Great question. So, um, yes, totally. What you as a traveler, what are you worried about? Are you are you concerned that you've had a pre-existing condition and you're worried that that pre-existing condition isn't controlled and stable? And why don't we just pause for a second and talk about pre-existing conditions? Because a lot of times when you talk about travel insurance, people are like, well, you know, I, I had cancer or I have diabetes or I have a heart condition. What if I have to cancel? Is that going to be covered? Or are you guys just trying to take my money and never going to cover me? It's mm-hmm. not how it works. Our, our trip mate plans look at pre-existing conditions 60 days backwards from the time you buy your plan. Mm-hmm. So if I'm booking my trip today, which make believe I have a pre-existing condition, I'm going to buy my travel insurance in the previous 60 days. How was my condition? Was it controlled? Was it stable? Did I even see my doctor about it? Nope, that's not a pre-existing condition as far as we're concerned. If something happens and I now have to cancel or I need an emergency treatment or I need to see a doctor on the trip, we'll write for the medical records. But truthfully, it's going to probably say nothing's happened and we would most likely cover the claim. Right. I don't know. Our claims people are like, don't tell people we're covering claims. So <laughs> <laughs> right now they're they're If they're listening to this, they're going to roll their eyes. Why is she saying we're covering claims? Um, but that's really how we look at it. We look at it to say the 60 days before your plan, what happened? So when people are thinking about which kind of policy to buy, those are important questions. Right. What if I have a pre-existing condition? Does the plan I'm going to buy waive pre-existing conditions? Some a lot of the policies out there that our client partners have, and even the retail ones, waive pre-existing conditions. It says, hey, if you purchase your plan within 14 days of making your trip deposit or seven days or 21 days, it's sometimes it's variable. We will not even look at it. You could have seen your doctor four days ago and they could have given you a new heart medicine. If you end up canceling because of that, we're not even going to worry about your pre-existing condition. It just lets people get um, have some peace of mind knowing that even if you have a condition, you can still travel. You just want to make sure you're purchasing a plan that's going to cover that in case that unexpected circumstance pops up. The other thing to consider when you're thinking about tour operator versus a retail plan is cancel for any reason, right? Mm-hmm. Does does the retail plan offer cancel for any reason? And if it does, is it at 50%, 65%, 75%? Cancel for any reasons plans will always cost more in the retail world. Um, even, even in the tour space, it will absolutely cost more because we have to charge more because it literally is any reason. Uh, you know what, Brian, I woke up and it's foggy today or there's a smoke alert and I don't want to travel now. Or, you know, uh, I looked at the weather and I'm only going for the weekend and it's going to rain every day. So I'm canceling. That's a cancel for any reason policy. And that's why people would purchase that. They just wouldn't get 100% back of their of their trip costs. Tour operators offer, a lot of them offer a um, cancel for any reason coverage that they provide or a, a waiver or a voucher. Uh, we have some clients, tour operators, who say, okay, you guys cover the covered reason. So if somebody's canceling for legitimate sickness, illness, one of the reasons listed in the policy, you pay them back in cash. If they happen to be canceling for a reason that's not listed, we'll give them a future travel credit. We'll give them a voucher so that they come back and travel with us again or try to travel again when they're healthy. So those are those are important nuances between what the tour operators offer because the voucher piece, the future travel credit 
Travel insurance companies, we can't offer those, but our client partners can because we don't own the inventory. They own the inventory so they can control that. We can't we can't control that. That's that's from a rules and regulation standpoint. We're not allowed to do that. They're allowed yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's important too to just think about what's the worst case scenario if I have to cancel? Do I want to only be covered for these listed reasons or do I want to be mindful that something could pop up that's not listed and therefore maybe I should book with somebody that does offer a, a voucher or a future travel credit or go out to the retail market and buy a cancel for any reason policy. Yeah. Oh, that's super helpful. Uh, I'm glad you brought up tour operators because we have many tour operators who listen to the show. Uh, some of them uh, who just started their businesses and maybe, you know, uh, have not dug in deep to travel insurance. So um, let, let's talk about that person who says, hey, I think this would be something cool to be able to offer to our clients. What does the relationship between a tour company and a travel insurance provider like yourself look like? How does a tour operator begin to find the policies that they want to sell and then integrate that into what they offer their clients? Great question. So so believe it or not, and this might sound funny to people, but travel insurance is a regulated industry. It's a financial service product, right? People mm -hmm. are are offering and disseminating an insurance product. So it it has to follow certain rules and regulations. And in the United States, it is regulated at a state level. It's not even a federally regulated product. So each state kind of has their own opinion on it. <laughs> now, yeah. as, an, as an industry, the United States um, uh, Travel Insurance Association, we've been working for years to have states kind of follow suit with each other. But of course, there's some outliers um, that still prefer to have their their residents follow certain rules. And the way insurance is regulated, it is regulated at a resident level. So I'm, I live in New York, you live in Kentucky. People who are selling to me in New York have to have a license. They have to have a travel insurance license. Kentucky, you don't have to have a license. So probably about 15 years ago, there were many, many states that required a license. But over the years, the travel insurance um, insurance association. We've been, you know, asking states to kind of follow suit. Like, is it necessary? You know, Brian, we're not going to take advantage of them. Like, how do we, right. how can we all align? So one important thing to note is that if your clients or the folks who listen to your um, podcast want to offer insurance, they need to know it's a regulated product. They have to have a license in their home state where they're sightest. Um, depending on the residents that they're selling to, they also might need to pick up a New York license. They might need to pick up a Hawaii license because Hawaii mm -hmm. also requires one. And then from there, how are they offering it? You know, you can't, you can't include it. It can't be a tie-in sale. You can't say, Hey, Kelly, if you buy travel from me today, we're going to give you insurance for free. Cannot do that. It's, you're not a lot of rules and regulations. So when you're thinking about, as a um, travel supplier, I do want to offer this protection. It's it's wonderful because A, it will alleviate any um, concerns that I might have when a client comes to me and says, I can't go. And now you're stuck in a pickle going, oh, I wish I could help you, but I've already paid the ground, you know, the ground operator and I don't have that kind of cash to kind of just reimburse everybody. Um, so as a tour operator, you're thinking it's a revenue generator because I could pick potentially earn something from selling a policy, but it also will protect my penalties. So I can enforce my penalty 
case. It will also protect me in case somebody gets hurt on a trip and they come to me and they say, I want you to now pay for my, you know, my medical bill because I walked on a cobble street and I twisted my ankle and I had to go to, you know, a hospital in Ireland and have it looked at. So, but Brian, you recommended this. You should pay for my medical. The policies cover that. So once, once everybody kind of comes to clarity on the value of adding travel insurance as that tour operator or the person who's, you know, taking 20 friends onto a trip, they want to think, do I want to partner with somebody like a trip mate? And if I do, do I have enough of a, a volume of sales to have them create a custom plan? Because historically, that's what we've been known to do. We, we sit with our client partners. We say, where are you going? What kind of travelers do you have? What's important to you when you offer a plan? And then we design a plan. We have other partners who say, do you just have an off-the-shelf plan that we can use? We're not going to have a lot of volume. We're going to have, you know, 100 people a year who want something. And we do. We have an, a couple of off-the-shelf plans through, you know, generally our 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 parent company. And then we have a couple ourselves that we offer. Um, so as a travel supplier, it's important that they think about what's their goal of offering the insurance. Is it to mitigate any potential customer service nightmares that might come their way when people have to cancel or they get injured? Is it to offer a benefit to the traveler so they know they're protected? And is it also to um, generate some revenue? And once they kind of come to clarity around all of that, then they want to think about, okay, who can help me with these needs? Um, again, you know, there have been players in the travel insurance world uh, for years that have focused in certain industries. I, I mentioned Aon before. They've historically been very well known in the cruise space. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's booking a, you know, a Royal Caribbean or a Carnival, most likely they're getting an Aon policy. Um, if somebody's doing a, a custom trip to Ireland with CIE, they're going to get one of our policies. That's that's how we've made our name. That's how, you know, again, Aon's made their name. AIG has been heavily focused in the, um, the direct-to-consumer channel. So depending on who that tour operator is or that independent uh, travel counselor, then they'll have a sense of, of who may be best to partner with from a travel insurance offering standpoint. Yeah, that's super helpful. And, and I just want to clarify, make, make sure people understand, uh, you're saying people are not allowed to automatically package travel insurance in with a tour, right? It always has to be an optional add-on? And it always has to be an opt-in, right? You Years and years ago, clients and everybody was doing it. They were just automatically having their booking paths select. Yes, of course, Kelly wants to buy insurance. And then that turned out to be a no-no. A couple of estates uh, had a rule on the books at the time that says, you can't automatically opt my residence in to an insurance product. Doesn't matter if it's insurance you're buying to protect your refrigerator, your car, your trip, can't do it. So the industry kind of imploded, a couple companies got fined, so on and so forth. And now the rules are very, very clear. It has to be an active opt-in from the traveler versus the tour company automatically selecting it for me. And then you also can't entice them with, as I mentioned at the beginning, to say, hey, if you book now, we're going to throw in travel insurance or we're going to give you a discount. Can't do any of those things. It has to be a, a separate offering has to be separated in the booking path has to be listed separately on the invoice you have to let people see the terms and conditions before they purchase it whether mm-hmm. it's just a link out to our site or somebody else's site then then there's even a free look period right so even even after i've decided 
to purchase it before my travel begins, assuming I'm not traveling the next 14 days, I'm allowed to review the policy for 10 days to say, okay, I'm happy with it. Or, ah, you know what? I should have talked to my wife or my partner or my husband and they already had something. So I want my money back. So clients are also mandated to allow people to look at it and then get their money back if they decide it's not what they want. Yeah, that's great to know. And one more thing I'd love to have you uh, clarify is uh, for somebody who has started their own tour business, um, travel insurance is not the same as all the corporate liability and stuff that they need to carry just as a business person, right? Can you sort of explain the difference between those products? Yeah, there's there's some products out there um, that protect the agencies, the travel companies, like an E&O policy, an errors and emissions policy. I, I booked my trip with you know, Sam at the agency. I told them I wanted a window seat on the plane. I told them it was our honeymoon. And then meanwhile, I show up for the plane. I'm in the back. I'm in an aisle. I get to the resort. They don't have my right reservation. They have, you know, it's, it's not the honeymoon suite. Well, now I'm annoyed. I spent extra money. So I'm going to come back and I'm going to complain to Sam and I'm going to tell Sam I want, and poor Sam, (laughs) you know, I want (laughs) some money back, Sam, because you made a mistake. So Sam's agency would hopefully do the right thing, give me some money back, and then file a claim with their errors and emissions policy. That's a completely different policy than the travel insurance policy. The travel insurance policy protects the traveler before they they go on their trip or when they're on their trip if something happens. The agency has their own policies to protect them in case somebody sues them, in case there's an error, in case they forgot to mention something. Those policies are very different than this policy. So the agency carries one type of policy and then they offer a different kind of policy to the traveler. Mm. Is that E&O policy something that an agency or tour company can work with an organization like TripMate for or do they need to go to their you know corporate insurance guy locally? Um, you know, great question. Uh, truthfully, both. We we actually now have a um, E&O policy that we are offering through um, Arthur J. Gallagher. So if somebody wants to contact us and purchase one, they can. There are other travel insurance companies that have them. I don't think there's a lot out there that offer them or they can work with their their local broker or whoever, you know, they're buying their building insurance from to see if they can place it. It is such a niche market though. Odds are they would end up calling us or, or calling one of the other providers to say, Hey, do you have one of these? It's, it's not something that is readily known, but it's mm-hmm. certainly very important because you don't want some of these home-based agents or these individual uh, travel counselors or just smaller tour operators to go without it. Because it just takes one person who felt like there was an injustice or there was a mistake or, you know, I, I broke my leg or I told you I couldn't have, you know, peanuts and somebody gave me peanuts and now I have an allergy problem and I had to go get emergency treatment. And they'll always look to come back to the agency and say, well, it's kind of your fault. Well, that is super helpful. Uh, I certainly appreciate you sharing all that with us. What's the best way for people to learn more about TripMate, uh, follow what you guys are doing and uh, maybe see if it's a good fit for them? You can go to tripmate.com and and uh, certainly our contact information's there. We're happy to work with people. We're happy to just even give advice. It doesn't even have to be that you partner with us. We're we're here to help. Again, it's it's still an interesting industry and there's a lot to to learn. And as post-pandemic, things have still been changing and evolving. And um, because the, the laws that govern insurance sometimes change often at the state level, you want to make sure you're partnering with somebody who's very 
mindful of those rules and regulations because the last thing you want to do is be fined. And right. I think we have a great track record. So I'm I'm happy to partner with people or just even give my advice. I'm happy yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, before we let you go, we have some fun questions that we ask everybody at the end. So these are these are rapid fire, no pressure. Uh, when you travel, do you like a window seat or an aisle seat? Oh gosh, aisle, absolutely. Aisle on the left, on, when you're walking down the aisle on the left side of the aisle. I like the D seat. Gotcha. I didn't know exactly where I like to sit. Very specific. Very specific. And I'm tall. So I also like the exit row. If, if I'm got, you know, if I'm not upgraded, I, yeah. I'll take an exit row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So what's something in your carry on that you wouldn't travel without? Nail brush. I know that sounds very weird, but a nail brush, because sometimes I'm a little weirdo. Like I don't like fingernails dirty. And you know, when you're <laughs> going to a meeting, it's people's hands, they're a little gross sometimes. So nail brush for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Wow. I have interviewed dozens of people and nobody has said nail brush. You are the first. That's great. I want you to start packing one. I might send you one as a thank you for having me on. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. So if you had a free airline pass and a week with nothing else to do, where do you think you would go? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Galapagos. Never mm. been. Would love to go. Would love to go while we're still allowed to go. I know at the, at right. the beginning in the intro, you talked about my involvement with DEI, which is super important and happy to see that Tripmate and Generali, we're, we're doing a lot of great things. But ESG, we are, as, as a travel industry, we've got to pay more attention to the footprint we're leaving, what we're doing to the environment. You know, Tripmate's a, a proud sponsor of um, the USTOA's efforts around sustainability, and, and we sponsor some of the um, stuff we're doing there. We obviously longtime supporter of Tourism Cares, but for me, the Galapagos and some of these other sites and vacation spots or just places to visit be there much longer. We were in Norway um, a couple months ago with Tourism Cares and just learning about how the glaciers are melting and what's happening to the community there. And it's just, it's changing so many things that we don't even think about. So to me, I want to see the Galapagos before they stop letting people see it. So the final question is, what's something you have seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great, great question. Um, you know, I'm fortunate because I, I travel often. I, I was in um, Italy a uh, couple, probably last year, and we went to this wonderful little village and just to walk through the village and to see the culture and to experience, you're never going to get a bad bottle of wine or a bad mm. glass of wine. And the and the food, and I, I wish, I wish my family was with me. I think that my son's a total foodie. My daughter yeah. would have been bored, but my wife would have loved it. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> two, two out of three isn't bad. Exactly, exactly. But I, I love to take them to places um, if they want to come. I'm happy yeah. to bring them. Oh my goodness, that sounds wonderful. Well, Kelly, thank you so much. It's been our pleasure, and uh, we'll have to bring you back sometime to talk, talk more travel. Thanks, Brian. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kelly as much as I did. And I hope you found some value in talking about a subject that can sometimes be a little bit dry or a little bit complicated or a little bit intimidating. Now, Kelly mentioned a few things that I think are really valuable. I want to hit them again just to make sure you see the value and you don't miss them. So when we were talking about the value of travel insurance, Kelly said, 
you hear about how important travel insurance is from people who didn't have it and wish they had it. As she went on to say, you're spending thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on your trip. What if the unexpected happens? We think of travel insurance as protecting you from the unknown and protecting the money you spent on your trip. It's really hedging your bets. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with this, especially if it's an important trip. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't buy travel insurance if I am uh, flying a couple states away for two days for a conference because there's not that much money at risk and I don't have a lot of emotional attachment. But when I took my family to Mexico for spring break earlier this year, you better believe we purchased the travel insurance because that was a big investment for us. It was something that was hugely emotionally significant for us. And I definitely wasn't going to risk the unexpected interrupting and possibly ruining our vacation and leaving us high and dry. Fortunately, nothing like that happened. I didn't have to use the travel insurance policy, but I am so glad I had it. Next, when we were talking about what is involved in offering travel insurance to your clients, Kelly said, if people want to offer insurance, they need to know that it's a regulated product. They have to have a license in their home state. And depending on the states they're selling to, they may need to pick up a New York license or a Hawaii license as well. And she went on to say, you can't include insurance. It can't be a tie-in sale. There are a lot of rules and regulations. Now, this is so important because insurance is a regulated market. Uh, if you make mistakes with insurance, well, that can come back to bite you in the form of liability, in the form of government fees and fines, maybe even danger to your business license. You don't want to mess around with that. So before you start selling insurance, make sure you understand exactly how to do so legally so that you can help your clients in a way that is ironclad, that's going to protect them without creating vulnerability for you. And finally, when I was talking with Kelly about the different kinds of insurance that tour companies need, she mentioned errors and emissions insurance. And she said, that's a completely different policy than a travel insurance policy. Travel insurance protects the traveler. The agency has their own policies to protect them in case someone sues them or there's an error. Again, this is so important because I want to see you and your travel organization and your businesses thrive. And part of thriving means making sure you're protected against liability. And uh, sometimes it seems like spending money on insurance is flushing money down the drain or you're using resources that could be better deployed elsewhere. But trust me, it only takes one unexpected accident, one angry customer, one vendor who doesn't follow through on what they're supposed to do to create a headache for you that could lead to legal liability. You don't want that. I don't want that for you. So do yourself a favor. Get yourself covered with some good corporate insurance. Talk to uh, an insurance provider you trust to set you up with what you need there so that your business will thrive in spite of the threats and unpredictable elements in the world we all live in. Great stuff there from Kelly Sonner. Well, as we wrap things up today, I want to share some things with you that I have been thinking about a ton this year as I reflect on the growing need for new blood in the tourism industry. And that is the topic of today's Hot Minute. Yeah, that's right. The Hot Minute is the portion of the program where I take 60 seconds to give you my unfiltered views on an issue impacting tourism every day. And today we are going to answer the question, does our industry need new blood? 
and what can we be doing to find some? So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it. Everywhere I go, I hear tourism leaders say how difficult it is to engage buyers in their communities. Every major tourism conference in the country is suffering from lower than normal turnout from travel buyers. This can create a vicious cycle. Young people don't get involved in tourism because they don't see other young people like them doing so. And our industry has a habit of working in silos, where each company and organization is focused on achieving its own goals without much attention to how they can achieve mutual interests. But I think the problem of new blood in tourism is one that can only be solved through cooperation. As an industry, we need to encourage young people to get involved in tourism and eventually start their own tour companies. That's going to mean working together to make our culture more welcoming, even when doing so may benefit the competition. Because if we want the tourism industry to thrive a generation from now, we have to start working together on this problem today. That is the hot minute for today. And as always, you are welcome to disagree with me and we can still be friends. And hey, whether you agree or disagree or have other thoughts, we would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us with your thoughts or questions at podcast at grouptravelleader.com. I read every email that comes into that address. I absolutely love hearing from you guys. And hey, you never know, your thoughts or questions or comments might just be the topic of the next hot minute. And while you're in the mood to give us some feedback, would you do me that huge favor of going to your favorite podcast player, giving us a rating, leaving us a review that is so helpful. And I am very thankful to every one of you who has done that so far. My thanks as well to Kelly Sonner for joining us today on the next episode of gather and go. I'm going to bring you a fascinating conversation with Kelsey Tonner of guest focus who is going to share his insights on how tour companies can create great guest experiences to boost their bottom lines. You're not going to want to miss that. Until then, though, remember this. At the end of the day, we're all on this trip together. So let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Tanya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kyle Anderson and Bryce Wilson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kyle or Bryce at 859-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the Group Travel Leader. For more information on our podcast, magazines, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. We'll be right back.